It is the 200 level, episode 299, Just Do It. And for those that may not see the title on your screen in your car or computer, it is a pun because we love puns. D-U-E is in Purdue. Just do it. Get it done on Saturday. Now, I say all that not in some form of consternation. I'm not at all ticked off. I'm not even that bummed that we didn't get the possible college game day or the chance to truly clinch it on Saturday. But this is still the game that we circled weeks ago. And really, since the Minnesota game, I think we all kind of knew that this is it. If you beat Purdue, because we assumed we beat Nebraska Northwestern, if you beat Purdue, you were going to win the Big Ten West. I think that's still the case. And no, it's not 100%. You still have to get it done in week 12 or 13 against Northwestern if you win on Saturday. But at least the path is crystal clear. Just get it done. Just do it. Now, a little bit earlier on a Thursday evening than usual, going out to dinner after this. So I wanted to knock this out while I was still feeling fresh and still feeling kind of zoned in. And as a fan, I mentioned how I'm not too bummed about game day not being here because I don't know how much I would have really bothered going to see the game day set. It would have been like, oh, cool. Look, there's Kirk Herb Street and maybe Lee Corso. Okay, back to the tailgate. Okay, so to me, the game day thing was probably a bigger deal for others than it was for me, though I recognize the exposure that would have been. Of course, I wanted the storybook ending of beat Michigan State and then beat Purdue and just clinch it at home on senior day. We don't get that. And on top of that, you get a cold. The the coldest day so far since the winter, right? I don't think it's been 38 degrees for a high since March, maybe. And windy, though not as windy as last week. So a very blustery, frigid day. And that's going to keep people away from it. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I think there is something to be said, and I mentioned this on Sunday, the day after the Michigan State loss. There's something to be said about hitting the reset button and just kind of going out there and playing ball without any sort of extracurricular things hanging over your head. And it it is only human for this team to have looked ahead a little bit for Michigan State. It's not as if they took Michigan State lightly. I don't think that's the case. But I do think that they, along with us, the fan base, were feeling our oats a little bit and maybe in not the best way either. It's great to be confident and feel like you're going to go out there and win, but it's another thing to think, ooh, 12 and one's right around the corner. And where this program's at, that probably isn't realistic. And that's okay, right? So I'm thinking, all right, what does this mean for our Saturday, for the fans that are going to the game? Well, one, it's going to be easier to get in the stadium. Two, it's going to be easier to get concessions. And three, the people that will be there are a lot like the Iowa and Minnesota games. This is going to be the people, the fans, that were going to be there regardless. And I'm not going to turn this into some diatribe against casual fans. In fact, I actually don't blame them one bit for not coming. It will take time to hook the casual fan back in to where they would want to come to see Purdue on a cold November day. You weren't clinching anything, like I said. So I could go tell a casual fan, well, you know, if you win this, technically you win the Big Ten West. I mean, Northwestern stinks. But they would ask, well, wait, are you going to clinch it on Saturday or no? No, we aren't. Eh, Never mind. I'm going to watch in the warmth of my home. I'm not blaming them one bit. But there is something that takes a little bit of the onus off of this, a little bit of the fan pressure, which I've harped on so much all the way to the 93-5 days. I feel less pressure going into this week 
than if it was game day and if it was you win and you actually clinch it on the field. While that is a moment that we will not get to have, what's waiting another week or two, whether it's at Michigan or at Northwestern, if you make it to Indy regardless? To me, this football program has been in such a bad way that I'm fine with it. I'll wait. I've been patient. I've waited all this time. What's another week or two? And hey, wouldn't it be special if they were to get it done against Purdue and then you go on the road and get it done at Michigan? That's still pretty cool. So listen, everything that you wanted is still out in front of you. And I think it's interesting to note the win that was kind of taken out of the sails of people, understandably, again, and how sometimes we forget this team's 7-2 and and still pretty damn good. I think what is keeping people at arm's length is a notion that this Michigan State loss was more than just a one-game thing, that, uh uh-oh, we're coming back down to earth. Maybe it's shades of 2011. I'm not sure, but regardless, I do think that this is an opportunity for Illinois to come out and really impose their will. And we're going to get later on into the matchup itself and why for this game I'm optimistic. Now, bear in mind, I was optimistic before the Purdue game. Sorry, I got some connection issues. Go figure. I was optimistic before the Purdue game, and so the Michigan State game, and that didn't really serve me well. So why would you take any stock in me saying I'm really confident in this Illinois-Purdue game? And I, I get that. However, I do think that the matchup bodes well for Illinois, and I think there is something to be said about the mental component of a lot of this where sometimes a team just needs that mental edge to be able to perform at the level that they were. Illinois was able to parlay a loss from Indiana into six straight wins, each of which they imposed their will in one way or another on the other teams, mostly Big Ten West teams. Well, now you're back to the Big Ten West, and you're back to a Big Ten West opponent where the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's of the world have been able to impose their will. I think things line up fairly well for this game, and if it took a Michigan State loss to do that, that's fine by me because we all knew this was the one. And it still is. So now that we're getting closer to game time, let's start treating it like that. And that's what I've started to do. So as we get into Thursday night, as we get into Friday, as we get into Friday evening and I'm setting all the tailgate stuff in my trunk and getting ready for the next morning, yes, that nervous energy will come back and I'm going to embrace it. And whereas the Michigan State thing was sort of like, ha ha, this is fun, hurrah, we're going to get the cherry on top. No, this is back to business, I think. And I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the Smith Football Performance Center this week and see just how they treated it. But if I were to guess, if I had my druthers about it, I would think that this team has been laser-focused and they know what's in front of them and there's enough veteran guys on this team that when push comes to shove, I think the physicality will carry them through and I think the will. Sounds kind of cheesy. Sounds like I'm narrating a a boxing biopic. The will. Okay, think about it. This team is not the most talented team, I don't think, in the Big Ten West. But in addition to being schematically superior to a lot of the Big Ten West opponents they face this year, I do think that this team has simply wanted it more. They are buying in to such a degree that when they step on the field, they have wanted it more than Wisconsin did that Saturday, more than Minnesota did. I think Iowa probably wanted it as much, but unfortunately for them at that point, their offense was still god-awful, and maybe it still is even though they scored 24 against Purdue. Look at how the teams are playing now. Illinois was fine two weeks ago, and everything went wrong against Michigan State. Purdue has not been right for three weeks 
at Wisconsin, bye week at Iowa. I'm going so far right up to the point of making a prediction, but I won't do that just yet. I'll hold off on that because we got plenty of show left. So before we get carried away and I get a little too excited about this game, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. You can get custom zones with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. They have this great dipping sauce, marinara dipping sauce. That was what we always got along with it back when we started ordering it 16 years ago. And that tells you something. Not a lot of campus places are around that long. They are the goods and they can deliver to your doorstep. You don't even need to go to campus. But I'm thinking a celebratory calzone after Illinois gets it done on Saturday. So dpdo.com. Also, Rector Construction Online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. For all your home exterior projects, and yes, winter is approaching, but these guys can work you around and you can get a free quote. So go to rectorconstruction.com, get that free quote for whatever your next project may be. Expert craftsmen, great customer service, and these guys are townies like me and they give back to their community, so I appreciate that. Rectorconstruction.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Not too late to get a furnace check as we start to get into the Arctic tundra that is a Midwestern winter. You want to make sure your furnace is working well because we're going from sweatshirt to parka weather. And thankfully for us, we had Matthew, the technician, come down, check everything out. It looks great. He's going to come back and check our AC out in the spring. We're happy we made the switch to Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing out of Paxton, but they serve everywhere in East Central Illinois. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. I'm sure he'll be in the lots on Saturday, bright and early like I will be. And he has made our homeowners and auto bundle just as easy as it could be. Plus, he got great State Farm prices. That doesn't hurt either. So that's Brian Hansen, State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. If you haven't already, if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcast, I think Spotify has a feature now. And then, of course, subscribe and follow on YouTube. Okay, let me take a drink of my coffee here. Decaf coffee in the evening because one, I don't want to stay up super late and two, I just like the taste of black coffee. Oh, and three, coffee is good for you. It's got a cleansing thing for your organs, especially your liver. And for someone that likes whiskey, that's not a bad thing to have. I was thinking about the game today. I had taken a few days off from thinking about it. I went to see Bono perform Tuesday night at the Chicago Theater. Absolutely incredible, and I know not everyone's a big U2 fan, but to see him in an intimate space and telling his life story and some songs along with it, it was a great kind of reset on what was also election day, so a lot was going on this week, and I've tried to give myself a bit of a breather from Illini sports just because I'd gotten so wrapped up in it. Let me rephrase, Illini football, because I'd gotten so wrapped up in it, and I didn't want to lose the forest for the trees, right? I want to recognize that this has still been a remarkable season, and I think if I felt if I thought too darn much about this Saturday and, and the season as a whole, I'm starting to see the law of diminishing returns. If you think about it too much, it becomes more of a chore and less of the joy that it should be. This team's seven and two. They're a good seven and two. And while they are not a college football playoff team and probably not a Rose Bowl team and probably not even a New Year's six team, though next week would tell a lot in, in that regard. They're still a Citrus Bowl team. You beat Purdue and Northwestern, as you should, 
and you're going to the Citrus Bowl. I want to go to Orlando or the ReliQuest Bowl in Tampa. I want to go to Florida. And this is a team worth doing that for. They have played sound, fundamental football. And when they don't, they've usually found ways to overcome it because two of the three phases are playing well. What phase played well last Saturday? Credit to Michigan State. Part of what made that game almost weird was Michigan State looked a lot better than I thought they would. I mean, you probably thought the same thing. The other thing was we were uncharacteristically bad on all three phases, and that's not something that we grew accustomed to. You got the yardage on offense, but you couldn't punch it in, which has been a recurring problem, but also you just had some other unforced miscues that it was sloppy despite the yardage for offense. Defense was put in some bad positions, but even so, they need to be better than that. If they're elite, they're going to find ways to be the fire department, which was a term that Bielema put on them, uh, rightfully so, but they were not the fire department last week. They gave up three touchdowns to Michigan State. That that can't happen. And then the special teams, well, you know the story on that. Is that going to repeat itself? Well, if it does, you're going to have a hard time with Purdue. I think that even if all those things repeated itself, you could find your way to a win against Purdue because the physicality that Illinois plays with is not usually the forte for Purdue. They are a finesse team, and I don't mean that as a slight. Jeff Brom has made that work for that program to the tune of seven-ish wins per year, last year nine. He has turned that into a pretty solid program over there, and if you're a Purdue football fan, you got football Saturdays to look forward to. However, you do have the capability of a true clunker. Illinois' clunker last week, and that was a clunker, was to the tune of an eight-point loss. That shows you the growth that this program has had. The two losses this year are both single-possession losses. There are no blowouts. And that's not to say it couldn't happen against a Michigan, or maybe if Aiden O'Connell throws 600 yards, sure, it could happen on Saturday. But you got to go with the trend line here, which tells you Illinois tends to win more games than not, and they do so by playing a physical brand of football. That should hold on Saturday. You mix in what I mentioned, the mental edge of coming off of a loss. And I don't think this is the kind of loss where you're shaken to your core. What sounded like in the locker room and all the press clippings and YouTube clips after the game last Saturday was a very pissed off team. Not like eyes wide as quarters, what the heck happened? Oh God, what's going on? No, they were ticked off because they felt like they left a win out there in the field and that they could have still won that game if they had just made a few less mistakes. But everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And a lot of them were Illinois they're shooting themselves in their own foot repeatedly. I think you see a clean game on Saturday. I think you see a very businesslike approach akin to what you saw against Nebraska and Minnesota. Talking about strength on strength, you got Purdue's passing offense with Charlie Jones against your secondary. They can run the ball a little bit, and honestly, they can run just as well as Michigan State, though I do think that the difference between the two is Michigan State's offensive line has a few more dudes than Purdue's, and Michigan State really just put everything together last Saturday. I know Jeremy mentioned this in his podcast with Joey this afternoon. He said, you know, there might have been the rallying around effect for Michigan State after the tunnel incident, something I didn't really account for. I thought they're going to come in as a total mess. Well, while Mel Tucker will have plenty of messy losses, that was one where maybe that messiness kind of worked in their favor. They rallied around themselves, and good for them. I mean, I'm not I'm not all that happy about it. I'd prefer to have the win, but regardless, they just simply outplayed you. Okay, fine. They outplayed you, they out-executed you, and they had the horses to be able to do that despite a disappointing year. I'm not so sure with Purdue. 
what Purdue tends to do is pass the ball left and right, as we know. I think it's about, oh God, 61, 62% of their offensive plays are passing. If they begin to trail in a game, that number goes way up. And while Maccabee is a pretty solid running back, I do wonder their offensive line against our defensive line, how successful will he be? He had his struggles last week against Iowa. I don't think Illinois' defense is all that dissimilar from Iowa's. Different approach, but in terms of their ability to stop the run, and create turnovers in the secondary, pretty similar, right? So, strength versus strength. Purdue's passing versus your secondary. Devin Witherspoon on Charlie Jones. Equalize the greatest threat on the opposing team. Michigan State had two threats on the outside. Reed had the better game, of course, than uh, Keon Coleman did, because Witherspoon was on Coleman. Well, now with Taz Nicholson back and your full complement of secondary players, hopefully Sidney Brown on any sort of crossing tight end action, can you put a kibosh on the passing attack? I feel more confident than that in that this week than last week. Because Peyton Thorne is more of a pro-style quarterback, has a little bit of mobility. Aiden O'Connell does not, and he's a spread quarterback. I think that you can put a kibosh on this passing attack. And then the run game, they'll abandon it hopefully sooner rather than later, and you don't need to worry about that. So that's if everything goes right, you know. But on the other side of it is an offense that I still think is due for a breakout game. Barry Lunny gets extended this week, as I believe he should have. I, I do have a few issues with Barry Lunny, but the good thing is these are nitpicky issues, and I think overall you have a good offensive coordinator. That's something Illinois didn't have last year and hasn't really had for a long time, and that includes Rod Smith. I don't think Rod Smith was all that great. Barry Lonnie calls a good offense, especially when you consider its complementary nature to the defense. We have had the ball for 35-plus minutes most games, and Michigan State found a way to not let that happen because they were able to continue to get first downs. You saw the defense being on the field as long as they were. It kind of kept the offense from getting their own rhythm going. I think this goes a little more hand-in-hand this week. And Barry Lunny getting that extension, one, deserved. Two, it adds that stability that is so crucial for a program developing like Illinois is. I think the offense will really be the story this week. And it should be. This offense should score plenty on Purdue. This offense should be able to break Big plays against Purdue secondary that has all of Purdue fans freaking out after the Wisconsin and the Iowa games. And if you watched any of those, I saw the Wisconsin game and the highlights of the Iowa game. 200 yards to Iowa's running back that I think that max he had before that was like 60. Well, there was a 75-yard run in there and a few other gashes up the middle for 15, 20 yards. This secondary does not tackle well. Chase Brown is due. Isaiah Williams, not he's not due. He's already breaking big plays. Well, why wouldn't he break another against this secondary if he gets in the second level? Brian Hightower starting to get that chemistry going with Tommy DeVito. Pat Bryant's been quiet for a while. I think you could see him emerge. You got some tight ends that can do something for you in the middle of the field. You don't need McCray this game, and you won't get him probably. It sounds like a game-time decision. I'm a little bit worried about him long-term. You should score. You really should. And this game should be the over. It should be over 44 and a half. And you should do the bulk of that. If not, I do worry about this offense because we've seen signs and I consider the Michigan State game one step back, but not two steps back because you still move the damn ball. You just weren't finishing drives and that's the most important thing. That can be fixed though. I still believe in game 10 that can be fixed and I expect it to be on Saturday. So we're looking at a game 
that actually has potential to get stretched out a bit. That's what I think, at least. And that's not a guarantee because God knows I thought last week was going to be, I think I said 38 to 13 or 31 to 10. I don't know. I predicted that Illinois would cover last week. So maybe my credibility is a little bit shot. But I think all of us thought that last week. I think that one thing that happens is we sometimes overcorrect after losses. And I don't want to freak out too much about that and completely disregard what we saw the six wins before that. I don't want to do that. And I won't. I won't allow myself to. I did a little bit of digging up here, and I thought that this was interesting. And chat window, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to you tonight because of connection issues, so I apologize for that. I did some research, which we're so good at on the 200 level. That's good coffee. I was trying to make myself feel better, if I'm being honest. What's on the line is basically a Big Ten West title. For all intents and purposes, that is on the line Saturday. You can put a complete stranglehold, using Jeremy's word, and I I love the Ted Nugent song. Maybe not Ted Nugent so much, but Stranglehold's a great song. You put a stranglehold on this division Saturday if you win. So I did some digging as to what this team has been most successful at this year. And I broke it down into four key categories. Big Ten West, 11 a.m., revenge, and after a loss. Big Ten West, Illinois, is undefeated, 4-0. That's Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, by an average score of 24-10 to against Big Ten West opponents. The outliers, so to speak, or the outliers are the 9-6 win against Iowa and the 34-10 win against Minnesota or Wisconsin, excuse me. But the Minnesota game, 26-14. The Nebraska game, 26-9. You add all those together, the average score against Big Ten West teams for this Illinois team is 24-10. I didn't do yardage, but I'm guessing you're probably outgaining their Big Ten West opponents 2-1. Not bad. 11 a.m. games this year, Illinois has only had two of them, both of them against Big Ten West teams. At Wisconsin, 34-10, Minnesota, 26-14, two weeks later. Illinois in 11 a.m. games, small sample size, sure, is winning by an average score of 30-12, to and that was Wisconsin and Minnesota. Revenge games, don't sleep on this. It's been a while since a revenge game for Illinois. But that was a narrative that was percolating early this season, and Bielema talked about it, the team talked about it, the revenge tour. Illinois is 3-0 against teams that they lost to last season. Virginia, they beat 24-3. Wisconsin, 34-10. Iowa, 9-6. Their average margin in revenge games, 32-6. After a loss, we only have one sample so far. That's a good thing. You beat Virginia 24-3 and won six straight after a loss. The mental component that I think is so crucial for a team that is built on an aggressive defense and a run game. That mental component should be back. The fire and the bluster should be back. They could have talked to themselves all last week before the Michigan State game and still pretended like they were the underdogs and they weren't getting love, but they knew deep down that's not true. You know, Bielema can control the narrative all he wants to there, but eventually you start feeling like the success that you are. And there may be something to this team having to Get a slice of humble pie, tail between their legs. Ooh, okay, we can't do that again. We won't do that again. What I'm most interested in this week, apart from just getting the damn win, how does this team do it? In what manner do they do it? And what is the anger that they can play with? Because they should play with anger. They should fly around the field. They should want to hurt Aiden O'Connell within the field of play, of course. Nothing dirty. But you, you want to take your opponent down 
Well, last week, you didn't get to Peyton Thorne all that much. It was a great game plan by Michigan State, and their offensive line got pushed. Defensive line, fix it this week. And I'm sure that in their defensive line meetings, they were getting that spiel from their coach. Offensive line, same thing. Their worst performance of the year. Going back to Indiana, that would have been maybe a close second. But that was, I think, the most lackluster performance by the offensive line that had been pretty good so far. In their meeting rooms this week, I'm sure the refrain was, we got to do better than that. And here's the exciting thing to me. Of course, you want coachable moments after a a win, right? That's the best. Coachable wins. Well, you don't always get that. Coachable losses will have to suffice in this case. Every single unit, for the most part, was not at their peak. There's not one unit I could point to and say, hey, thank God you guys guys get an A+. Everybody else kind of sucked. They all kind of sucked in their own way. They all had plays that they left on the field. So I'm excited to see the mental component. I'm excited to see Bielema, who after losses, and this is something else I should have figured out going back to last year. From the Wisconsin loss on, you lost to Wisconsin, you won the next game against Penn State. After the Rutgers game, you won against Minnesota. So that's 2-0 after losses last year. After the Iowa game, you beat Northwestern. That's 3-0 after your last three losses last year. After your loss to Indiana this year, you beat Virginia. That means after the last four losses, you have went on to win the next game, and some of them in very impressive fashion, including an upset win at Penn State, an upset win at Minnesota, smoking Northwestern, and smoking Virginia. So there's a pattern for Bielema as a head coach at Illinois and maybe all the way back to Wisconsin. I'd have to look it up. Losing two in a row, that happened early last year. It did. But not since mid-October of last year have you lost two games in a row, and you've always responded well. I anticipate that being the case. It should be the case. Let's talk worst-case scenario. Let's just get it out of there. Sorry, just hit the mic stand. (laughs) Probably jarring. Worst-case scenario, Illinois loses to Purdue. Then I do think it's fair to worry and think, oh boy, was there a bit of a mirage in this six-game win streak? Was there more luck than we thought? What I'd been harping on on this show was that what made this season feel different and what made this rebuild feel different was that the style of play was sustainable, there were no bells and whistles, and that the record that Illinois has is essentially the record they should have. And there aren't many universes in which you'd say, well, this team really should be a 5-4 and four team. No, they're closer to 9-0 and oh than they are 5-4, and four, but they're 7-2. and two. And that seems about right. And the way that they've won those seven games tells me that there is something here that can be built on and sustained. And as long as you get a few Jimmys and Joes on the lines, you will figure things out to the tune of winning seasons more often than not. If you were to lose to Purdue, it does undo a lot of goodwill. You know, And I hate to say that because you would still be seven and three, but the wind that is in your sails even now after the Michigan State game, that, ooh, that kind of putter putters out a little bit and beyond just the casual fans I would start to worry I'd pucker up a little bit and think oh oh no like is this not what I thought it was that's a bummer and you'd still likely finish eight and four but when you start seven and one that's not the finish that you'd want it would feel underwhelming and it's okay to adjust your expectations you could have told me eight and four before the season but I also didn't know they were going to start seven and one and have a bunch of winnable games down the stretch. So yeah, right now, 8-4 and four wouldn't feel great. And that's okay to admit that. It's, it's not anything that's 
outlandish to say even as an Illini fan. I'm sure the guys in that locker room would feel the same way. If they finished 8-4, and four, they'd look at themselves and be like, what the hell happened? But I don't know if we're going to have to wor- worry about worst-case scenario. I certainly hope not. My plan is this. You know, Saturday, because of the weather and because a lot of friends and family circled the homecoming and Dad's Day weekends as weekends to come out, Hey, if last week would have went differently, I think more people would have found their way out to the tailgate lots. Now, you would have still had less of a crowd because people don't like being out in the cold. And while I get that, I enjoy one cold game a year. So let's do it. Let's bundle up. Get your hand warmers in your gloves. You'll be fine. Though I don't envy the people on the east side because they'll be getting pelted with wind. That includes Purdue's bench, by the way. And I'm not going to bring up the weather this week. All I know is this. When you get pelted in the face with wind for three hours straight, That does have an effect on teams. And Illinois, meanwhile, is going to be protected by the west side of the stadium. You know, I'm in the West Main with the wind coming behind us. That wind is not really going to be affecting Illinois' sideline like it is Purdue's. I'm just saying nothing to sneeze at, okay? Especially if you can bruise them and and wear them out as the game goes on. But, yeah, this is going to be more of a low-key Saturday, Probably for a lot of people, you know, like you, you might have had an extra seven, eight, nine, ten people that came out for Minnesota and Michigan State. That energy was starting to build. And then for a lot of them, it's hit, screw that. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to watch it at home. I like this team, but I don't love them yet. That is something that will take years probably to get a consistent 55,000 in there. Season ticket sales over the offseason will help, but you still got to do it. And you got to do it again. And you got to do it again. Because in 20 years, in the last 20 years, Illinois has been sub-500 for 16 of them. That's not going to do it. And one 7-1 and one start, as we saw, isn't going to do it by itself, disappointing as that may be. But it is going to be more of a low-key Saturday. My hope is this. You know, fandom is, as I've mentioned, a personal and a shared experience. And I've had those shared experiences the last two home games. And the Iowa game, yeah. But I don't mind a bit of a personal experience for a game this meaningful. I don't even know who I'm going to go to the game with yet. I mean, I think Trevor's going to come with me, so that'll be fun. Uh, My dad won't be able to make it out on Saturday, and I get it because it's just, you know, it's going to be miserable for a lot of people. So I don't mind taking a sort of personal approach to this, knowing the meaningfulness, if that's a word, the meaningfulness of this game. I don't mind having a little solitude. I don't mind having time to think and not talk to quite as many people at the tailgate, to try to get a little more zen before this game and be in the right frame of mind for what is the biggest Illinois home game in 15 years. And that's not an exaggeration. Essentially, what is on the line, and and as fans, we can say this, the team can't say, oh yeah, we're going to beat Northwestern. But here's the deal. If that's all it takes to clinch your Big Ten title trip, you're going to beat Northwestern. I think we can trust this team on that much. So... This game is still about the same as what we thought, just without all the pomp and circumstance, no Lee Corso, all those side things and the extra excitement you might have gotten from some casual fans. No, that, that's not there, and that, I guess, is a bummer. But for the personal side of this, I don't mind being able to just have a little more space and a little more of my own headspace. I love that it's an 11 a.m. game. I would have hated waiting, especially after the Michigan State game. Come on, let's go. We'll wake up Saturday. Three hours of tailgating, and then boom, into the stadium. Let's watch this. And my hope beyond hope is this. 
2.30, walking out of that stadium and making a drink, lighting a cigar. And you might say, Carp, that's a premature celebration, which is better than a premature some other things, but a premature celebration. But I don't care. That's what I would do. I would embrace this as if it was, because I think it is. That sounds like a riddle. <laughs> embrace it for what it was, what it was, because I think it is. No, this would essentially wrap it up, as we all know. So, yeah. You should, if you're going to be there on Saturday in the cold, after the game, if Illinois wins, if they take care of business, you should go back out to your tailgate. You should have a celebratory drink. You should treat it like the Big Ten West clinching game that it essentially is because guess what every other fan base in the Big Ten West will be doing that night? Ah, damn it. Wisconsin that is playing well right now and thinks they can win out would say, ah, gosh, freaking Purdue. Thanks a lot, Purdue. Just like we've done before. We scoreboard watch just like last year during basketball. I remember Wisconsin played at Rutgers, and we just needed Wisconsin to lose one more. Ugh, thanks a lot, Rutgers. That was us. That sucked. I want Wisconsin and Iowa fans to feel that. Oh, thanks a lot, Purdue. Thanks for nothing. And they might on Saturday because they would look at the schedule and say, man, Illinois got, they have Northwestern at the end of the year. I mean, keep in mind, guys, you're 7-2, and two and you haven't even had that gimme of a Northwestern or Rutgers game. You haven't. So this is a legit 7-2, and two, which should soon turn into an 8-2 record against teams that are pretty solid. And even the team like a Nebraska, for example, that kind of stinks this year, that was a game where they came out ready to win, and they, they looked well-coached, they looked well-prepared, and you imposed your will on them. I don't think that Nebraska and Purdue are all that dissimilar. There was more stability in the Purdue program, and Jeff Brom is a hell of a lot better coach than Scott Frost. But they are two teams that are built more on finesse style of play. And while there might be a couple drives where Aiden O'Connell and that Purdue offense, oh boy, ooh, they're looking pretty smooth. I still trust the physicality of this team now that they have the chip back on their shoulder. Because when you start removing that from a team that plays with such an edge, that's where you run into problems, and I didn't take that into account like I probably should have before Michigan State. And somehow that, that flipped itself. Michigan State was the team with a chip on their shoulder. They played like it, and they won the game because of it. Well, now it's back. You can't mess around, Illinois. Like after the Indiana game, I, I, I look back on that as actually a helpful early season reminder. You cannot be messing around out there. Get it done. Quit fooling around. And for six games, they didn't really fool around. And the times they did, they overcame it because at least two phases of the field were so darn good. I mean, take the Iowa game, right? Offense was not good. And I, I know Iowa's defense is good, but your offense was not good when DeVito went out. But Hugh Robertson had his best game of the year. He outpunted the All-American Iowa punter, and your defense was phenomenal. So this team found ways even when things were not going perfect. And they don't need to go perfect on Saturday. But there's also the chance that they do. I mentioned this in the podcast before Michigan State, so you might say, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. I said, you know, there's a chance these next two games, they just come out and they smoke teams. And that might be, well, that was presumptuous because they did certainly didn't smoke Michigan State. I am anxious to see how this goes Saturday. The rebound effect, the mental component of this game. You could say Purdue's angry. Why the hell weren't they angry last week? They had a bye week after getting essentially smoked at Wisconsin. One of the touchdowns Purdue had wasn't even a touchdown. Okay, The guy did not clear the plane, but of course, Big Ten refs, you know the story. Why weren't they angry last week? 
How do you lose 24 to 3 to Iowa? Not so much the three points he scored on offense, because I know the weather and I know it's Iowa's defense. How do you give up 24 points to Iowa? Because Iowa punked you. Iowa is now playing like a team with a chip on its shoulder. What chip does Purdue have at this point? If I'm a Purdue fan, I'm asking myself that. And I don't know how confident they are going in. I think another overreaction here is the spread. Six and a half, the way these two teams have been playing the last month, not just the last week, but the last month. I don't know. Six and a half seems light to me. I get it, but it seems light. Overcorrection. The way that we freaked out after Saturday, perhaps an overcorrection. Go with the trends. Go with how this team's playing. So what does that mean? Prediction time? Illinois wins. You know that I thought that. And I think they do so decisively. I'm going to agree with Jeremy on this. And I would recommend go listen to him and Joey Wagner's podcast because they do a great breakdown of the micro, of this matchup. And Purdue was not without weapons. We know that. Purdue was not without the capability of scoring. But I keep going back to the physicality. And Illinois playing the way they do against Big Ten West teams, including the physical teams, but also the more finesse teams. It's like a spectrum. Iowa, you have in the most physical side of the spectrum, and then you work your way towards the finesse side from Iowa to Wisconsin that still has some toughness, but more finesse, to Minnesota that's a little more finesse than tough, if you ask me, and then Nebraska all the way on the finesse side. Now, you've won in all those games. I think the Minnesota-Nebraska games, you imposed your will as much as the Wisconsin one, despite the score not really reflecting it, especially in the Minnesota game. Purdue's on that side of the spectrum. They are on the Minnesota-Nebraska side. They beat Minnesota. They beat Nebraska. Finesse beating finesse. Being able to score a lot of points against Nebraska and a surprisingly good defensive showing against Minnesota, but Ibrahim was out in that 20-10 win for Purdue. So in that physicality to finesse spectrum, Purdue's over by the Nebraskas and the Minnesotas of the world. I think that plays in Illinois' favor. So what's the score? Well, I didn't really hit it last week. I think Illinois finally has an offensive explosion. Finally. And I'm going to say Illinois 34. Was that Would that be an offensive explosion? Maybe. Illinois 34, Purdue 13. 34 to 14. Let's amend that. I think Purdue gets two scores. Just because they can. And I know it was only three against Iowa, but I think their offense is better than that. But I don't think their defense is. So 34 to 14, Illinois wins on Saturday. Yeah, if you don't win, we got problems. And we would have a very different podcast on Sunday, which will be my 300th podcast or 300th episode of the 200 level, dating back to when Brightweiser and I started it. Now, I, I so badly, so badly wanted that 300th episode to be what we all thought it was going to be, the clincher. Technically, would it be? No. But come on. like We're going to treat it like it is. That's why I think the closer we get to this game, and especially when you wake up Saturday, don't lose sight of what's at stake and embrace that. And just because the fireworks aren't surrounding this event like we thought they would be doesn't take away from the importance of it. It is an incredibly important game and I do anticipate that this team will respond and they recognize that and they'll come out pissed off because they did let one get away. I said on Sunday that I think that team maybe needed that loss and that might have been Carp just trying to talk himself into it. Oh my God, I'm talking the third person. Sorry. 
That might have been me doing that. I've been known to do it before. But I'm pretty sure that no one in that locker room thought that. Their mindset is, we freaking lost to these scrubs from Michigan State. I think their mindset's a little bit different than Purdue that has lost two times in a row to the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's of the world. I don't know the level of pissed offness that they have. I don't know the intangible qualities Purdue does or does not have. While they have had a couple impressive games this year, namely the win at Maryland and the win at Minnesota, those are not bad, and they darn near beat Penn State in week one, and they should have beat Syracuse, but they kind of blew that one. So yeah, they're, they're a team that's not without firepower and a team that's not without the ability to come in here and win the game. It can happen. Uh, I think that actually there is a, I don't know if it's S&P or what, it's a football predictive thing and it has Illinois as a, I think, 74% chance of winning or 70%. And I think that's about right. Uh, the spread, again, I think is a little bit low. I think it's factoring in the weather a little bit too much. I think it's factoring in last week against Michigan State a little bit too much. So yeah, 34-14, to 14, Illinois wins. They get it done. And then I hope the 300th podcast, 300th episode of the 200 level on Sunday is every bit of celebratory. And yeah, it might be more muted. We won't be printing t-shirts that say Big Ten West champions, at least not this week. And that's okay. Because we've waited long enough. What's another week or two? I hope you're going to be there on Saturday. It's going to be fun. You can find me. I will have the flags up again. We're going to battle the wind. It won't be as bad as last week. That was ridiculous. And while it will be cold, what the heck? Embrace it's football. One cold game a year. Bundle up. We'll be fine. Pine of whiskey. Tip-top shape. All right, before I get out of here, a little quick thing on basketball. Um, I thought Monday night. Now, first off, there was a technical glitch on Monday night. I published the podcast without the audio. And this happens on Podbean. You you enter the title and the description first. Easy enough. And then you save it. And then I'm saving the audio on this side. And I thought I had, I had attached it. I had not. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh boy, I don't think it's published yet. So my apologies on that. That probably screwed some people up because I think the title was showing up, but the audio just wasn't playing. So my bad on that. But I was impressed. And the, the issues are there, right? And I'm not going to do a podcast for tomorrow night, Friday night's game against Kansas City, which is the banner unveiling, which is going to be pretty cool. I'm going to watch it at home, though. And what I'm excited about is to see if we can have Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins double down on what they did Monday. Because really, you go where those two guys go. If you have two stars on your team, and I think you might, I think you might, you should be Big Ten champions. And that is factoring in that the supporting cast is going to have their ups and downs. But you guys saw it Monday. I know it's Eastern Illinois. This team is big. They're long. They're fast. The athleticism is off the charts. There are no teams in the Big Ten that can match that. Now, Illinois shooting is going to keep these games from becoming blowouts as much as you would like. And it's going to lead to some tight losses and some ugly losses along the way. But when this team kind of figures out what they are by the time Big Ten play really gets underway, do you have any doubt that they're going to be really good? Um, I mean, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, I suppose, but I'm just looking at what I saw. That is a different level of athleticism than the last three Illini teams that were all very good in their own way, but the athleticism was not like that. That was freakish. 
consider the opponent. I get it. But I do think athleticism and size, that translates. That travels. Defense travels. And while that aggressive nature on defense will occasionally lead to some easy points for other teams, it will also get you out of a lot of jams. So what I'm looking for Friday is a continuation from Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins. Just trying to make sure that the givens are given. You know, night in, night out, you get it from those two guys. If so, great. Okay, you got option 1A and option 1B. Then he can move on to the supporting cast. Can Dane Danger not get a double-double, but can he be the solid change of pace big off the bench? Can Matthew Meyer find a role? I'm going to temper my expectations with him for a bit, but he is still a veteran that can shoot. And he's got length, and maybe he can defend a little bit too. And then, where do these freshmen fit in? That's what I'm excited about. RJ Melendez, I think, is going to have an up-and-down year. Not all dissimilar from Coleman Hawkins last year. I hope he can develop some consistency shooting it. But the freshmen are going to play a role. Sky Clark was fine, but his box score was not all that impressive. Five turnovers, that's too many. So, give me the two givens, and then the other guys find their place. That's what November and December are about. I don't know how well they're going to do in Vegas. But this is a team that reportedly was every bit as good as Kansas in the preseason scrimmage, and I I believe that. I really do. I think that this team, their ceiling is pretty ridiculous. So I'm buying stock after one game, and you, premature or not, I, I really, I think you might agree with me. Uh, free throw shooting, bad. I know that. Shooting in general, probably not going to be great, but this team's going to win based on transition buckets and defense, and they will get plenty of those with that length and that athleticism. It's going to be fun. And uh, I'm excited to just watch it tomorrow night. Not that I don't like being with you guys, but that way I can immediately turn the game off, go up to bed, get a good night's sleep before a big game Saturday. And then, of course, we'll recap it on Sunday along with the football game. So how are you guys feeling about this football game? And I'm going to check the chat window here if I can get, <laughs> get this queued up. And I apologize for the lack of internet connection. I think like the later in the evening I do this, the less issues I have. But I will try to get back to this and just see if anybody said anything in the chat. But I guess I'm asking you, hypothetically speaking, listener at home, how are you feeling? And I think it is totally fine for you to enter this game with confidence, despite what happened last week. And also, because of the, the consequential nature of it, being confident, but also having that nervous energy. Because this is the biggest game we've had in a long time. And I'm excited for the 40,000 plus that will be there on Saturday because they recognize that. The people that are going to brave the cold are going to recognize that. And I think it will still lead to a really fun atmosphere and what I think will be a fun Saturday. I love the early games because that means more time to celebrate if you win. Fingers crossed that's the case. Don't lose faith in this team after one bad week. They have given you plenty of reasons to think that they will bounce back, and I think they will, and I think they will in a big way. 34 to 14, I would encourage you to listen to Jeremy and Joey's podcast. Jeremy said statement game, possibly. Joey wasn't so sure, and I waffled this week, but then I thought, wait a second. The reason I became so enamored with this team is not just that they won, but they did so in a kind of bruising way, and... I think they get back to that on Saturday against a team that, physically speaking, does not match Michigan State. All right. Please, God, let it be true. (laughs) Please. I believe it, but I still, we need to see it, right? I can speak it into existence all I want, but it's still just got to happen, and we'll find out soon enough. 
All right, we'll be back Sunday for episode 300 of the 200 level. Got to thank our sponsors, DPDO online at dpdo.com. Order online at dpdo.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior projects, rectorconstruction.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Schedule a furnace checkup today with Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, stay from agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. All right, we're going to get out of here. Thank you all again for listening, for watching on this early Thursday evening. I have tomorrow off for Veterans Day. Thank you to our veterans, of course. Uh, both of my grandparents served and grandfathers served, one in World War II over by Japan in the Pacific, and then one in the Korean War as well. And the reason my dad even came to this area is that his dad got stationed at Chinook Air Force Base. So good thing he did, because without it, my dad would not have been here and would not have lived in Paxton, and I would never have any idea about just hamburgers which I had on Tuesday, and just hamburgers is great. Not a sponsor, though. All right, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you have a great Saturday. I really do, and I hope if you're a cigar smoker or a whiskey drinker or whatever your vices may be that you can indulge in a little bit of all of it Saturday around 2.30 because that is what I hope I will be doing myself. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 Level. <laughs>